Hear the word of God as it is found in the book of Galatians, the fourth chapter, beginning to read at the first verse. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father, so with us. When we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Amen. One Sunday morning, a pastor of a church called the telephone company asking the operator to give him the correct specific time. He introduced himself as Reverend so-and-so of such a church, named the church, and she says, well, tell me, sir, what denomination is that church? He says, what does that have to do with it? I'm just calling to find out the correct time. She says, it has everything in the world to do with it. She says, if you are an Episcopalian, the time is quarter after eight. If you are a Methodist, the time is 8.15. And if you're a United Presbyterian, the little hand is on eight and the big hand is on three. I did not start this sermon with that story to downgrade United Presbyterians or to claim that we're a little dense. The, the main purpose for the story is to give you a identification with the fact that there are different ways of telling time. And we better learn that pretty quickly because, you see, we are people who are motivated in this specific society so much by the clock. Time is very, very important to us, and yet we have a hard time deciding as to the real purpose of time. It becomes a philosophic question. Time is something by which our lives are regulated. When we are born, the first thing they want to know is what time, and that is put down in specific hours and minutes. We use throughout time, throughout life, our time. We use it, we abuse it, we misuse it. There's not a one of us in here who has not used that famous and favorite excuse. The reason we didn't get something done is because we did not have enough time. Other people are accusing us constantly of being people who waste or kill time. My goodness, you come to church and you can't even get away from the time problem. I have right to my right. Maybe some of you have wondered what this little box is. 
My good friend Ray Knott, you know, kept talking about it all the time. By the way, I talked to him on the phone the other night. Uh, he lost the election in Wyoming. But being typical Ray and being filled with the Spirit of God, he reads into it the will of God and knows that he is still a very vital servant to the people of the state of Wyoming and more importantly to the people of the kingdom of God. But Ray, this, this little box here, you see, he kept referring to it, and I know most of you didn't know what it was. I kept saying, Ray, tell those people. This is a six-digital clock right here, 11, 44, 42, 43, 44, 45. See, it keeps going. I have this facing me, and if that's not enough, unbeknownst to you, there is on the back wall a series of lights on a time schedule. And the green light, orange light, red light, you know, if I don't quit by the time the red light comes, wheat quits on me. And if I go two minutes over that time, you quit on me. <laughs> time, you see, time. Some people move too quickly. Others can't keep time schedules and upset other people. You can't even go to a football game that is close and exciting without keeping one eye on the field of play and the other on the time clock. Very, very important. And it depends on whose side you are as to whether or not the clock's going fast enough or slow enough. When you're a little child, you know, you sit in the classroom and you dream and you cannot wait until you are old enough and the time has come for you to become a man or a woman and the time comes for you to become the man or the woman and then you worry about how fast time goes. Whenever a loved one dies, be it early or late in life, in the language of love, it's never the right time. Never the right time. Albert Einstein says time is relative. Remember that great scientist? Just to show how it is relative, he says you can spend two hours with your loved one and it will seem like a minute. You sit on a hot stove for a minute and it will seem like two hours. Time's relative. And because we are people of time, we get all mixed up in the concept of God's time. And it's my personal conviction that one of the reasons Jesus gave us Christmas was to help us with this concept of God's time. God gave us not only his only begotten Son to redeem us from our sin and give us eternal life. Eternity, see, that's another time factor. But God gave to us in Jesus Christ a concept of God's timing. Three things I'd like to point out from the Advent experience of God's time. One is that no matter what the time, God uses time for his purpose. God uses time to perfect his will. You see, there have always been, since people started to register emotions, feelings, days, and nights, two concepts concerning the philosophy of time. There's what we call the Greek concept. Now, the Greeks, being very astute and very wise and observing the recurrent seasons, 
noticing that night always follows day, noticing the, the, the flow and the ebb of the tides, came to the conclusion and the concept that time is like a cycle. It's always recurring. It is repetitious. It's like a wheel turning on an axis. And to correlate that with the human odyssey, the human experience, the pilgrimage, they saw things move in a cycle. What has happened before will happen again, and we've got a, a circular view of time. Now, the Hebrew, he thinks of time as being different. He sees not time as a circle, but more as a line, a line that has a beginning and a line that has an end. He sees time in history with a purpose, not as being repetitive. Do you get the difference? Now, we in the Christian tradition have followed not the Greek, but the Hebrew tradition of time. We see time as having a beginning, and in the Bible we begin to measure it in the beginning. God created. And we see God coming into a covenant relationship with his people, Abram. And God began a purpose for people. And the Hebrew tradition does not see history as in a circle or repetitive, but it sees rather history and time as some road with some far-seen distant destiny. You know how we get that concept? Because of Christmas. Because of Christmas. Because we, the claim is, you see, that God introduced into the world himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God interrupted history and time with his own being in his son, Jesus Christ. He had a purpose, you see. He had a purpose. And this is beautifully illustrated in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, a New Testament book, where it says in the first two verses, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God, you see, no matter what is happening in time, God is working. We find this in the eighth chapter of Romans. God is working for the good in all things. And if I can edit what I think Paul was really trying to say and add, and at all times he is working. Now, that's hard to buy at times. Academically, we can buy it. But in experiences, that's tough to take. Especially when the young die so young especially when the innocent seem to be suffering so much and the guilty seem to be so free. How can you say, preacher man, that God is working for his purpose? Prove it to us. Sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't. 
Nobody can. And that's the thing we've got to know about God's time. His time, just like His ways, are not like our time. We are not God. We don't keep God's time. But God's time is always working, always working for a purpose. And that leads us to the second concept that ties in with the first one, and that is you can never see the purpose of God's timing, except in retrospect. Only can you see God's timing in retrospect, never at the time. And we get this from Christmas, you see, from Advent. Oh, we read here. Yes, you just heard it. That passage that talks about time. Galatians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, where it says, In the fullness of time. That is, at the precise second, the accurate moment, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. You see, we can say that triumphantly with the writer of Galatians. But the thing that we don't quite realize at the time is that Galatians was written in 55, 56, 57, or 58. Jesus was born approximately the year zero. It took 55, 6, 7, or 8 years to gather the concept, you see, that God was working back there in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. But back in Bethlehem in the days of Judea, in, in Judah in the days of Herod the king. People did not see God working, but he was working. The owner of the inn, he, he didn't know Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was being born in his barn. The leaders of the town were home in bed, sleeping, when God was coming to earth. But God, you see, had been getting ready for Christmas far longer than your grandmother. And grandmothers get ready for Christmas early. God had been working for years getting ready for Christmas. And those of you who have taken Bethel, especially that fourth semester, that first lesson, you know, that in the fullness of time, it develops historically how God used the Pax Romana, used the Roman roads, used the Greek language, used the Hebrew tradition, even the moral degradation. And spiritual hungry of, hunger of the people. God used all of these things at the right moment, at the right time, to prepare for the evangelization of the world. But people didn't know it back then, but God did. And that's because God's time can never be fully realized or known specifically except in retrospect. You wonder now how God is working in some of your lives. You're not going to know specifically for another 10, 20, 30, 50 years. You can't know exactly how. As Paul says in his great first Corinthians 13, we must look through the glass darkly. Then we'll know face to face, but now, darkly. My view of time is that just before I die or shortly thereafter, only then, 
Only then will I be able to look back and see things fall into place, the good times and the bad times, and then be able to look a little bit higher and say, it was you all the time. But I'm not going to know for sure until then. So the third step of God's concept of time is very important. You cannot know how God is working. You can't expect to fully realize it or see it until some great distant tomorrow. But thank God we can believe that God is working now. See, that's the story of Christmas. The only people who knew that Jesus was being born in Bethlehem of Judea were people who believed. The shepherds who believed the song that they heard. The wise men who believed their study and what they were reading in books. Ancient Simeon who believed that God would show to him the one who is to bring the consolation of Israel. People who believe that this is the hour for which we have been born. Those are the people who are on God's time. Oh, it's easy. It's not easy. It's difficult. It's painful because what it means, ladies and gentlemen, is that we must be willing to give up some things we don't want to give up. It means being able to give up some love that we don't want to give up. It means being able to give up some of the security that we want, that we must realize we don't have all the answers. It, we, we must be willing to give up some of our long-range planning. It means we can't be confident when we tell people how God is working, because we have to admit we don't know. It means that no matter what happens, no matter what, no matter how ugly, bad, horrible, or hellish the experience is, we believe that maybe God did not send it, but that God is working for the good, and in time we'll prove it. And when no matter what happens to you, you can believe that this is the hour, the time that God has created me, and this experience, God is working for the good. And I don't care what time your clock says, you are on God's time. Amen. Father, we have difficulty, even with all of our brilliance, to know your timing in our lives. But Father, help us to leave this place believing that our time are in your hands. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all at this time and for all times forever. Amen. <laughs>